Are you going to ask me what I'm reading? No. Hi, welcome to Writing in Real Life, a podcast about writing, publishing, marriage, and parenting. I'm Morgan Baden. With me is my co-host and my husband, Barry Liga. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Good, 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 good. Good. Listen, I don't want to tempt fate here. Yeah. But this is episode number four in a row. Yes, four in a row. Episode 97. Episode 97. But four in a row, yes. Of like on our agreed upon schedule. Yeah. I'm feeling really good about that. Uh, you are tempting fate. I know. That's what I said. I yeah. like to tempt her. Uh-huh. I do. Um, no, but seriously, I want to dive in and talk about um, restarting old projects. Ooh. I know. Ooh. Huh. Okay. Good. I like how that's both. That's the immediate reaction. It's like, ooh, eek. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it can be tough, guys. Um, but, but what happened for me was I was working on something that I was super excited about over the summer. Um, still, I'm excited about it. But, but what I mean is it was, it was new. I was excited. I was actively working on it. And then this other project happened that we are not talking about yet. Um, it's the collaboration that, yes. that we're working on together. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I had to put my first project aside, which I knew. Right. Um, I set myself up for success, I think, because before I made the jump into our collaboration, um, I took an afternoon and like really focused on what my next steps were going to be with my current project. And because I knew if I was going to be stepping away from it for several months, I was going to come back and be lost or like forget all the fun things I had envisioned. Anyway, so um, the time has come (laughs) and I am I've jumped back into this old project. Yeah. Um, And I wanted to talk about that. And have you ever done that? What's the process like for that? Um, Is it even I mean, I know it's possible, obviously. Let's not get precious here. But, like, you know, I, th- I think I'm a different writer now than I was in the summer. And so it's interesting getting back into it. Have you ever done this? Well, first of all, if you were a real writer like me, you would have <laughs> written both books at the same time. <laughs> um, no, this is an interesting thing. And especially, you know, when, when you said jumping back into old projects, I immediately had certain thoughts. But, you know, I... I Looking at a project that is eight months old, to me, that's not that old. Oh, that's true. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was thinking about stuff I started years ago. Yep, which I, I have also that considered. That I was considering jumping back into. Yeah. Um, but I think you, you said something really smart that, that you did, which was before you, you made the, the shift over to the, to our collaboration, you sat down and you sort of did a general outline yep. of where you were going to be going, which is good. I'm generally not a fan of the outline. Sure. But in a case like this, it's a, it's a necessity. So again, so that yeah. as you said, you can remember what you were going to be doing. Yeah, you know, I didn't want to lose the groove that I right. was in. I mean, a lot of times I don't care about outlines because I'm so steeped in the book while sure. I'm working on it that I'm thinking about it 24 seven anyway. So yeah. who needs an outline? Mm-hmm. But in this case, yeah, you were going to be stepping away from it for a while. And no matter how good your intentions, yeah, and no matter how much you love this project, the fact of the matter is you're going to forget things. Yep. things are going to slip. Yeah. So I think that was a, a good move on your part. There are all sorts of things that I think about coming back to. And there's actually something of more recent vintage uh, that I, I've mentioned obliquely on the show before, a, a, a fantasy novel mm-hmm. that I'll probably try to publish under a pseudonym. And I really, you know, while I was working on a bunch of stuff last year, 
um, I was thinking about this fantasy novel a lot and really yeah. eager to get back to it. Now that my schedule has lightened up a little bit, I'm just really tired <laughs> and I'm and I'm not as eager to get back to it. And I think that will probably change in a few months yeah. and I'll want to get back into it. Um, yeah, it's not. I mean, I think there's a difference between like, oh, I'm procrastinating on my creative enterprises and so I'm taking a break versus, oh, no, I've been insanely busy yeah. for 18 months, yeah. so I'm taking a needed break. Right, and... right. And for those who want all the, the uh, gory details of that, of those 18 months... Uh, I posted a blog that I'll put a link in the show notes to about everything that I did in 2017 Yeah, um, and why I am so tired. I think, you know, somebody once told me that, you know, every, every writer has their, their trunk novels, you know, right. the, uh -huh. the, the, the phrase we used to use to describe them when you actually had printouts that right. you, you would put in a trunk. Uh, these I days. love by the way, how it's plural. Yeah. Oh, like, sure. Cause I have multiple. Oh yeah. I've yeah. got, I've got multiple. Um, and, 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 you know, we should call them hard drive novels, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, buried five folders down novels, something like that. That old folder that says old garbage. Right, old use. garbage, yeah. yeah. When I die, do not publish. Oh, geez, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, a friend of mine once said to me, you know, don't bother. Mm. Like, you're a different writer now than you were then. Yeah. And you're looking at it through these sort of rose-colored glasses. Yes. And, and looking at it sort of reliving the the sense of possibility that you had when you wrote it. Oh, I like that. But you're a different person now. You're a different writer now. Look forward. Don't look back. Yeah. It's hard. I was the very first book that I finished that um, I did get an agent for, um, although the whole thing was very shady. Again, remind me to tell you my first shady agent story. I'm happy to share we, it. We should share weird agent stories we someday. Should, yeah. yeah. Anyway, because I never signed any contract or anything. And then she, like, disappeared and left agenting altogether. But anyway, I love those characters. And it's a, a beach setting, an island resort town setting. Yeah. And I remember, like, two years ago, I thought to myself, hey, I'm going to rewrite that book. Right. Same characters, different setting. Still a beach, FYI. But, like, totally different setting. And age them up and do this and do that. Yeah. And I started it. And, like, you know, a day into it, I was like, no, there's a reason I'm not. I shouldn't do this. Yeah. That's funny. Again, that's a little different from just something from eight months ago. Yeah. yeah but yeah. but I, 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 I think probably the more time that passes, the more the rule of look forward, not back applies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, otherwise, you know, if, if you took a week off, you wouldn't be able to go back right, to something. Yeah. But I do, I do think that even, even just an eight or 10 month hiatus can really blunt a lot of your, your forward momentum and your enthusiasm and, and just the passion that you feel for it. Yes. And I don't think, like in your case, for example, if after eight or ten months away from it, if, if you just, if you come to the conclusion that it's not there for you anymore, mm -hmm. don't feel bad about that. It just means that, that you've changed enough that it, it, it's, not, it's not your thing anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the issue I, I take with that is that I didn't stop writing this book because I wanted to. I, I stopped because I had to. I don't think it matters. Yeah. I really don't. I mean, I, I think anything that stops you, you know, but but I do know that you were thinking about it the whole time. Cause I you, was. You, you would bring I it up. I had some we, other ideas. We would and, talk about it yeah. occasionally. We would chat about it. Um, same thing with my fantasy novel where yeah. occasionally, you know, I would say something to you about it. And I had talked to a couple friends who knew I was working on it. One friend in particular who was, like, really eager for me to finish it, like, yeah. really wants to see it. Um, so... I mean, I, I don't think that I don't think the reason you stopped is matters at all. 
what matters is can you get back into it? Can yeah, you get yeah. back into that headspace and can you can you do something with it? If you can't get back into that headspace, does your new headspace allow you to take it in a direction mm. that makes it still work for you? Yeah. And if, if the answer to both of those questions is no, then you have to just flush it. Right. But if the answer to either of those questions is yes, then yeah, go for it. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of a, a an article I saw in the New York Times all the way back in January, which I saved for this very discussion. Brilliant. There you go. Called Micro Progress and the Magic of Just Getting Started ah. by Tim Herrera. And it was really, you know, it's it's funny. I'm actually not a, a procrastinator. I mean, sometimes I am, but but within within reason. But I read a lot of things about procrastination because I really do find it interesting. Okay. Um, and I have a couple of friends who are like self-avowed procrastinators and genuinely struggle with it. Um, and who are vocal about it. So I feel like I read a lot of stuff about procrastination. So that's why I, I clicked on this. Um, because the writer himself says he's never been great with deadlines. And he actively tries to counter that because he knows that about himself. So that's where this idea of micro progress comes into play. Which is, uh, I like this example that he gives. Let's say you're an editor with a weekly newsletter to write. Rather than approach that task as, quote, write Monday's newsletter, you have to break it down into steps. So he suggests... Step one, open a Google Doc. Step two, name the Google Doc. <laughs> Step three, write a single sentence, and so on. And it's funny because I, without realizing that this was like micro progress or setting micro goals, I do this at work a lot. Yeah. Where if there's something that's I feel like is hanging over my head um, that I don't want to do for whatever reason, but I know that I have to do it, I truly just open up a document. I save it. I name it. Yeah. I like will put the header on it. You know, it just put something down on the paper. So all these little micro goals. Um, but I feel like that's what I'm doing with my return project now that yeah. I'll call it my return project. So, um, I don't know. I feel like that's my, my takeaway here is like, no matter how far away you've been away from something, if you are interested in trying to get back into it, take this micro progress approach yeah. and, and feel your way into it and see if it's still there for you. I feel like I take the micro progress approach pretty much every time I work on a book. You do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I always start off very slow. I start yep. with a very, very low daily word count for the first week. I start off for that first week, I just write 500 words a day. 500 words is like super manageable. Super, that's what I do in like my 20 minute train ride. Yeah. 500 yeah. words. It, like the rule of thumb in publishing is that 250 words is basically a page. So 500 words is two pages. If you're a professional writer, you should be able to write two pages in a, in a day. Yeah. Like in an entire day, yeah. you should be able to write two pages. So that's what I do. And then the second week, I double that to 1,000. Mm -hmm. And then the third week, I go to 1,500 and then 2,000 and so on until I hit about 3,000 words a day. Yeah. And that's where I stay for the rest of the project. And the, the beauty of this is by the time you get to 3,000 words a day, which is a really good clip, You've already written about a third of the book. Wow. So now you're really into it. Yeah. You're deep into it. You you've gotten past the awkward, difficult part, and you're just you're just running now. Yeah. And so it, it really works well for me. And I've been doing it that way for years. Mm -hmm. Uh and and it works very well. But it, it it's you know, small steps, yeah. small amounts of progress early on, so that you don't feel overwhelmed. Right. So that you feel a sense of completion and achievement and satisfaction and and victory. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I wrote, I hit word count today, 500 words. Like, yep. it doesn't matter the, what it, word count is, I hit it. Yeah. And I always tell people, you know, if, if you're trying to write a book and you find that, you you know, it's too overwhelming or whatever, set yourself really easy goals early on. Yep. You know, do, you know, 
if you're not a professional writer, if it's not what you do for a living, if you have other things occupying your time, a hundred words a day yep. to begin with, mm-hmm. like a hundred words, that's like a paragraph. Yeah. You, like you can do that. Actually, that reminds me of this website that I used to um, visit for lack of a better word, like f- probably 14, 15 years ago, it was called, uh, I think it was called 100 words daily. Oh, and it was basically like a live journal, but pre-live journal. Yeah. But the idea was that you were only allowed to write exactly 100 words every day. Interesting. And it was public. It's um, like Twitter before Twitter. It is. Oh, my God, it is. Yeah. No, but it was public, and it was um, – obviously, you could go under a username, so yeah. it didn't have to be your real name. But it was the coolest writing exercise. I loved it. I did it for probably six straight months. And then, believe it or not, like a year or two later, the site went down. What? A site on the internet went down? In the in the mid-aughts. What? Um, I don't have any of that content. Aww. I know. But I really loved it. But it was a super cool challenge, like figuring out, A, to how to write exactly 100 words. Yeah. And B, even just getting into that routine, which, yeah, at the time for me felt like, oh, my God, I can't write every day. And then being like, oh, this is obviously incredibly achievable. Right. Um, anyway, that was a super cool site. Huh. Somebody yeah. needs to do something like that now. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Hey. Sharks. Sharks. I was reminiscing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, while we're on the subject of books, I want to talk about a, a Twitter thread that I saw. Does it count as a podcast episode if I don't raise a Twitter thread that I want us to address? No, not really. Yeah. Um, so Sally Nichols, she's an author. Um, we actually published her at Scholastic. I think it was her debut called Ways to Live Forever. She's a British author. Um, we acquired this book from the UK. And she's pretty successful, um, particularly overseas. But I really liked this Twitter thread in which she was talking about what it's like to be a successful author. Because Mm. as she says, um, and of course, we'll include a link to this in in the show notes. But as she says, she's had several books out. And the one that she, that's her most recent one, is apparently doing incredibly well. So she started talking about how, you know, the the difference between being an author who had a fine a couple of fine books, was doing fine, was earning a living, um, versus suddenly having a book take off. Essentially, what she says is that you need three things to have a successful book. Number one, a decent book. Number two, publisher support. And number three, a hell of a lot of luck. So, there, I made you read this thread. Yes. Um, I feel like we've talked about luck before and the yeah. role it plays in this ridiculous industry. But I, I think it's important to keep hammering that home because yeah. it really is incredibly important. Yeah, we've talked about it before. I'll, I'll see if I can dig up which episode, put a link in the show notes. But also, I've written about this on my blog. Okay. Uh, and I'll definitely put links into that. Uh, I've been talking about this forever. I mean, luck is hugely important. And a lot of times people get upset when you say that. Yeah. Um, because they they feel like uh, they feel like you're taking control out of their hands. Mm. Um, but I always remind them, you know, the other aspect of this is having a really good piece of writing Yeah. and you have complete control over that. Mm -hmm. So it's literally the only part you have control over. Yeah. So focus on that and don't worry about the luck. The luck either happens or it doesn't. There's nothing you can do about it. All you can do, the metaphor I always use is, uh, is surfing, which is funny because I've never surfed (laughs) in my life. (laughs) Guys, you should have seen my, the face I just made at Barry. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) But I use the surfing metaphor anyway because the, the way I describe it is, you know, if the, the world's greatest surfer with his with the best board he's got, the best board money can buy. She. 
is, is the world's greatest surfer a woman? I don't. What, what's, this we is should a look, meta- we should this look is that a hypothetical. Up. We should yes, look that it up. Is. Goes down to the beach, and guess what? If there are no waves that day, mm-hmm. there's no surfing happening. Yeah. It absolutely does not matter how good a surfer you uh-huh. are if there are no waves. Similarly, you know, you can write the best book in the world, and if the luck doesn't happen for you, nothing's going to happen with that book. Mm-hmm. But if you go down to the beach and you don't bring your board and you don't bring your wetsuit or whatever else surfers have, I don't know, and the waves are tasty that day, well, you're screwed because you weren't prepared. Yeah. You could have had a great day surfing, but you didn't come prepared. So you have to pretend every day is going to be a great surfing day, mm-hmm. even if it isn't. So you just keep writing and you do your best writing and you, and you do the best that you can and you wait for this wave of luck to break in your direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to me, that's an incredibly comforting notion that you know, if a book doesn't succeed, it's not because of anything I did or didn't do. Yeah. It's just the, I like the that luck, mind shift. The luck wasn't there, you know? Yeah. The luck just wasn't there. Yeah. Um Sally talks a little bit too about um in terms of luck. She says specifically, publicists can shout and shout about a book, but reviewers and festivals get literally hundreds of books pushed at them every year. They are more likely to read a book that's getting a lot of noise, but they're also more likely to read books that appeal to them personally. Right. That's something really crucial to remember too. I think especially when you're talking about things like awards. Sure. Because, you know, the the committees that choose awards, they change every year. Right. For most awards. So if you've got someone who, like, is a super big fan of your book, and last year they were a judge for XYZ Awards, maybe you would have won that award if, if that right. person were still a judge. But they're not, you know. Right. so It's just luck. It's Yeah, it's just so it's interesting. It's just the luck of the draw. And there's no way to know. And there's nothing you can do about it. And I think... I think, you know, it, it is frustrating because you think, oh, I, I wrote something really good and magic didn't happen. But there, there's there's nothing you can do about it. Again, yeah, your publicist can shout from the rooftops. Yep. But, I mean, look, I'll go ahead and give a personal example. I don't care. Last year, Bang came out. Yeah. And in the lead up to Bang, the reviews were really great. People were talking about it. They were enthusiastic about it. It had a bunch of starred reviews. Um, the day it came out... It was in the New York Times book review and in Entertainment Weekly. They both liked it. So you had both ends of the spectrum. You had yeah. the, the pop culture and the high culture both saying this is a good book. Um, a lot of places saying it was a good book. And it did not sell well mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Um, which was really disappointing. And, you know, I, I said to my publicist at one point, you know, th- this was a great book launch. Like, yeah. you guys did everything right. Yep. It just didn't happen. Yeah. We talked last episode about how the first half of 2017 was really bad for book sales. Yeah. Because everybody was obsessed with politics. Luck. There you go. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, how nobody could have predicted that. Yeah. Sally says, sometimes publishers try their damnedest and get nowhere, and it's not always obvious which is which. Meaning, is it a result of something they did or didn't do, or is it just the general right. luck right. happening? Right. Yeah. Anyway, um... I like one of her closing tweets here, so I'm going to close this segment of the discussion on that. This business is so designed to drive us to frustration and bitterness and to invent conspiracy theories. Some things are controllable, some aren't. It's and sometimes it's amazing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Link in the show notes, guys. Go read a good Twitter thread. 
you know, that's not political for, right, for right. once. And it's not a terribly long thread. You're no, not you're no, not investing yeah. a lot in this. this. Isn't one of those you know eighty tweet threads. Yeah, uh, it's it's a reasonable length. Yeah. Um, I want us to do a, a couple minutes of book talk here because sure. a we haven't done like a book talk in a while. That's true. B, you're actually reading something. What? Which is like the first time in since I don't June. Know. Well, oh, see, I was gonna. I was actually thinking it was like the first time in 18 months or something. No, and I was no, serious. No. Okay. Yeah. So tell us what you're reading. I am reading The Secret History of Twin Peaks, yes. which you bought me for Valentine's I say, Day. Someone wonderful gave yes, that to you. Yes. I've been looking forward to, to reading it since it came out, but of course I didn't have time. Now I do have time. So I sat down the other night and started reading it, and I am enjoying the hell out of it. Um, Mark Frost is a really great writer. I enjoyed some other novels of his that were not Twin Peaks related. And uh, so, yeah, I'm actually reading this and liking it. Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to read it after you. Yes. This was truly one of those gifts that I bought more for me. Right, right. So, you're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so are you. <laughs> Thanks. Because you wouldn't have even watched Twin Peaks if it weren't for me. I changed your life. Well, so Kelly and I started watching it right when we were dating. Right, because I told you to. But was it, though? Yeah. I wasn't sure. Yeah. See, I feel like it was. it was in the... In the cards anyway, because I think Kelly uh-huh. had been talking about it. Yeah, sure. I, th- I think that's true. She wasn't. <laughs> okay. Um, are you going to ask me what I'm reading? No. Why not? I really want to talk about it. No, I, could, I know what you're reading. I know, I know, yeah. Let's talk about what you're reading. So, I'm not kidding when I say it was at least two years ago, possibly three. No, probably two. That my coworker and friend, Julia... I don't even remember the full story. She gave me a copy of Valley of the Dolls, which is, I guess it's a classic. Do I say, it's like a pop culture classic, right? Sure. Yeah. Everyone's heard of it. I've never read it, obviously. Everyone's heard of it. Not everybody has read it. Yes. But people have heard of it. Um, so she gave it to me. I think she like found an extra copy in the streets of Brooklyn, as you do, you know, yeah. on the stoops or something. Yep. And she was like, I already have a copy. Um, have you ever read it? You should read it. I put it in my bookshelf in my office at work. I have since moved at least twice since then. So it's been packed up. It's been, you know, whatever. I was on a long maternity leave, blah, blah, blah. I unpacked it. So when I unpacked it this past August, I was like, oh, I should read this. Like, this is Julia's copy. I should really read this book. But I have a long list of things to read all the time, as we all do. Well, the other day, she and I were talking about books and what we were currently reading. And I was mentioning that the book that I was currently in the middle of I just wasn't feeling the pull towards and was like f- think, finding ways to stop reading it, which is stupid. Like life is too short. Read something you want to read. And she brought up, oh, well, have you read Valley of the Dolls yet? And I was like, no, and I'm going to start it tonight. I like committed to it right there then. There you go. You guys, I'm obsessed with it. Oh, wow. It's so good. Wait, have you read it? I have not. Oh, my God. It's so not. good. And here's the funny thing. So I Instagram storied the day that I started reading it like a, a quick boomerang of, of the cover. And I said something like, you know, Julia lent this to me two years ago and I'm finally reading it tonight. My mother, who doesn't read, <laughs> yeah. FYI, wrote back and said, I don't read books and this is the best book I've ever read. <laughs> or like, this is the only <laughs> book I've ever read or something like that. And I was like, oh my God. And then I had another old friend comment and say, I called in sick to work to finish this book wow. when I read it. And then another friend was like, this is the best book ever. And I was like, oh, my gosh. There you go. So it was like 
the second highest um, Instagram story response rate I've ever had uh, because I got so many responses to it, which is very funny. The first highest, just for fun, was when I made fun of Candace Cameron Bure or whatever her last name is for trying to get into the gun debate with Kristen Bell on Instagram. So anyway, um, so I'm reading Valley of the Dolls. It's super good. And I'm not even like a third of the way through it. And I am I am all in. And it's one of those books that, I, like, all day I'm like, I can't wait to go to bed so I can read this book. That's cool. Yeah. I The only <laughs> the only uh, connection I have to Valley of the Dolls, Yeah. This and this is not remotely interesting, but this is just an indication of how my brain works. There is a, a horrible, stupid, softcore porn movie <laughs> called Beneath the Valley of the Ultra Vixens, oh which is one of those, like, classic, so dumb it's good type movies uh-huh. that... Like in college, everybody watched, oh right? Oh my God. For some reason, I guess just because of the word valley yeah, and maybe doll, which doll, yeah. vixen, whatever, every time somebody mentions the book Valley of the Dolls, think I think it's the movie Beneath the Valley of the Ultra Vixens. Oh my God. And then I go, no, wait, wait, wait. It's the book. Oh so God. there you go. That's very funny. It's, that's just, yeah. <laughs> And that's what the good old boys of Yale were up to. And uh... it was not at Yale where I saw it. Oh. I was visiting a friend at another college, <laughs> okay. and he was like, "You got to see this movie. It's hilarious." <laughs> and it 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 is. It's like it's just stupidly. It's just so stupid that it's funny, you right? Know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So okay. Well, on that note, you, on that note, <laughs> you all have your homework assignment, which is to go read Valley of the Dolls and to go watch what's it called Beneath, Beneath the Valley, the of, Valley the... of the Ultra Vixens. Mara. And tell us how they present a compare contrast report. Yeah, because one of these days I will read Valley of the Dolls, and then I'll do my own compare sure. and contrast. But in the meantime, I'd like to see what right. the rest of the internet thinks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, that's it for us, everyone. Thanks for sticking with us. You can find us at writinginreallife.com. Uh, on Twitter, we're at WIRL Podcast. And, of course, go to iTunes to rate and review us and subscribe to us while you're there. We hope you have a great week. Take care. Bye.